0: Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. The year was 1510. A young, a young man began his studies at Oxford, and then later he moved on to Cambridge. By 1523, his passion had ignited to, to translate the New Testament. He had asked his, the presiding bishop whether he could or not, and they wouldn't give him permission. In fact, he inquired a little bit more and found out it was pretty dangerous for him to stay in England if he pursued translating the New Testament. So, over a nine-year period, he evaded authorities, and he began to work on this translation, and he worked on other books and tracts, and and with the help of friends, uh, he was able to do so. But then he also began to work on the Old Testament. During these years, he would take Mondays to visit other religious refugees from England, and then on Saturdays, he would go and try to find the poor and minister to them. Sundays was a day that he would go and have dinner With the merchants around the area, and he would speak scripture to them before and after. The rest of the week was devoted to translating the Bible, working on his tracts, and writing his papers. A man by the name of Henry Phillips became a guest at these meals and soon was one of the very few privileged to see the works that he had written. But in 1535, Phillips lured the man out of the safety of his quarters and took him to some soldiers where he was quickly arrested and charged with heresy. It took months for the law to take its course, but during this time, this man had many hours to reflect on what he had written, and he wrote this passage in one of his tracts. It said, "'Let it not make thee despair, "'for if God be on our side, "'what matter maketh it who be against us?' Be they bishops, cardinals, or popes. Finally, in 1536, the man was condemned as a heretic, degraded from the priesthood, and delivered to secular authorities for punishment. And on October 6th of that year, after the local officials took their seats, he was brought to the cross in the middle of, in the center of the city. And he was pulled up to the cross and he said, uh, they said that you have an opportunity to recant. He refused and was given a moment to pray. Then he was bound to a beam, an iron chain and rope put around his neck. The official looked to the executioner and gave the nod. And he cinched that rope and he cinched that chain and began to strangle him. He waited for the next nod, and he took the torch and lit the brush and the logs beneath his feet. One of those who saw the encounter said this, As I watched, I saw patient suffering of the man at the time of his execution. I'm, of course, talking about the scholar William Tyndale. And I don't know about you, but when I think of uh, my favorite Bible stories or the heroes of the faith, I don't often tend to think about the suffering and the trials that they had to go through. We tend to think about all the victories and forget about what it took to actually see those things come to fruition, don't we? Job. If I were to ask you, you would say, oh yeah, Job suffered probably the one of the ones that we go to immediately. He suffered greatly. He lost everything. He lost his children, his wealth, his livestock, his crops, his health, and even the relationships with his wife and friends. Moses suffered throughout his life for acceptance. He didn't believe in himself, and he never made it to the promised land. Joseph was sold into slavery by his very own brothers, falsely accused, and sent to prison. Esther, a righteous woman who became a queen, she was put into a life-or-death situation because of her race. David was tormented by a jealous king who was wanting to kill him, and he was sent on the run for many years. Paul beat, stoned, shipwrecked, starved and imprisoned multiple times. I could go on and on, but I just want to share one more with you, and that is Stan and Ann Stewart. They were living in a comfortable home in San Diego. Stan was a police officer, and he was also a board member at his church. God got their attention through several circumstances that kind of came to a place where they knew that God was telling them that they were going to have to make some changes And so they left everything that they knew, they left their family, their friends, their their church, their jobs for this deep yearning to see those who didn't know Jesus come to know Jesus. So they landed in Turkey and I just want you to hear what Anne has to
1: say. We had seen God do miraculous things and we had seen the blind see and the lame healed. But we've not led one to the Lord. And that's what we're here for. Of course we want to do all these things. We want to see these things. But our heart is that they be saved. And we knew something had to move. And we finally just went to God and said whatever. Whatever it takes we are willing. We're here for a reason. Use us. And. God very gently just kept saying, it's gonna come at a cost. And I remember thinking, unspiritually, am I going to be crippled from this Lord? And he said, if you will abide in me, this will not cripple you. And the thought did come across my mind, you know, Lord, is it Stan? And again, just said, if you will abide in me, this will not cripple you. And once again, came that same message, are you ready to suffer? And I just kind of felt a little bit like Peter when Jesus kept saying, do you love me? Because I felt like, you know, we've, we've established this, Lord. We've already come to that point of I'm laying everything down. And once again, I just said, Lord, everything I lay down, whatever the cost. God gave me scripture as we were heading out and he gave me Psalm 68 that said that he would go in front of you and the enemies would flee before him. It goes on to say that I will be a father to the fatherless and I will be a defender of the widows. We got home and within a couple of weeks got the news that Stan had terminal cancer. And there was just instant peace. He didn't miss a step. It's like, that was a scripture I gave you. He had already been there. He had already prepared us. And we were ready to walk the road he gave us.
0: These are just a few thousand of the stories throughout history that I could have picked. So, whether you're a scholar like William Tyndale, a scientist, like Renata, who was singing up here. Maybe your server, like Dave. Maybe a poet, a musician, an artist. Your student at the university, an activist. A missionary like Steve and Anne, or Stan and Ann. A mechanic, an engineer, a writer, a stay-at-home parent. All of us have to deal with a certain amount of suffering. And yet there is one who suffered the most and he is known as the suffering servant. We sing a song today and that is entitled The Son of Suffering. And this, of course, is Jesus, the Son of God. He is the greatest example of the beauty of suffering. We turn now to Isaiah 53 as, the prophetic, or as uh, Isaiah prophetically writes this. He says, who of this generation protested for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. All the pain and affliction and suffering in this world was taken on by Jesus so that when we go through our own suffering I want to say that again when we go through our own suffering we can and should give it to him I know it's hard we're getting there in fact throughout the Bible many times in the New Testament we are told that we have to go through suffering in fact First Peter says this To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps, or in his steps. Jesus showed us how to suffer well. And we should follow his example. There's a lot of suffering right now. I I can hear that. (laughs) (laughs) We are told that we should have to go through suffering. It's it's going to happen, and we're, none of us are exempt from this. I've had a transformation of my thinking over the last 10 plus years. Um, in fact, in one of my seminary classes, I realized that I was carrying a distorted view of suffering. In fact, uh, one of my beliefs was that suffering came mostly because we weren't following the rules. I was a rule follower, Okay? So in essence, though, we could avoid suffering if we were just better Christians. This line of thinking caused me to be critical in my thinking towards others and their suffering. My thought was that the suffering you're going through is all your fault. So where do your thoughts go when you hear about the suffering of those around you? Maybe those in your inner circle, maybe you yourself are walking through a season of suffering. Do you play the comparison game? Do you put yourself in a judge's seat to criticize? Maybe you're thinking what they're going through isn't really suffering, or they come from money they haven't had to deal with struggle. What about the young man in Africa who has yet to even receive the first COVID-19 vaccine? What would he think as we as Americans, have we suffered all that much over the last three years? What about the family in North Korea who literally has to collect their excrement to give it to the Korean, the North Korean regime for fertilizer. And if they don't, they're severely punished. What would that family think about us in the West? Are we suffering? What about the mother who is sitting, right now living in urban Chicago, who is afraid to walk out her door for fear of a drive-by, What is she thinking about our sprawling neighborhoods and our unlocked doors here in Iowa? You know, last week I had a a meeting. I was fortunate to have a meeting with a a new friend of mine, Tony Joseph. He and his wife, Angela, and their boys attend here. And uh, during our conversation, he began to get emotional, reflecting on how his parents while immigrating from the country of Guyana, went through a long season of suffering. You know, they finally made the long, arduous trek from New York to to Muscatine, of all places. But it was a powerful moment for me. Tony, where are you at? I think I saw you earlier. Tony? It was a powerful moment for me because I got to see the gratitude and the pain that you were thinking about when you were traveling along with your parents to get to Muscatine. That was a, it was a powerful moment because you were grateful for all of that struggle. Suffering is a very relative and personal thing and, and we need to be careful how we judge others, especially when we don't know the full story. okay, Everyone just take a deep, big, deep breath, go, okay. And, and pray that I'm going to change the subject, right? You're like, please, let's move on. I know, I saw some of you looking over to your guest that you brought and saying, listen, if I would have known he was going to be talking about this, you could have come next week with Pastor Rich was back. I kid you not, I tell my wife earlier this week, I tell her, hey, I'm going to be talking about suffering. And she goes, what? Why? no. She said this, I'm telling you, she said this. And she goes, was this your choice or did Pastor Rich tell you to talk about it? I said, no, it's it's my choice. I I feel like I really need to speak about it. She goes, why? I mean, it's like talking about giving. Don't go there. I love, I love the honesty and the vote of confidence my wife has in me. Her unfiltered responses are, are some of my favorite we're gonna shift here in a minute, but I just wanna lay out a couple of things. Why do we suffer? Well, here, here are a few reasons that I think we suffer. One, because humanity rejected the authority of God and we now live in a broken world, okay? We're not in Eden anymore. How many remember? We're not in Eden. We're in Iowa. That's close enough, okay. Two, Because of our own choices, this is the one that I got stuck at. It's because of our choices and only our choices. Now, granted, how many have made some foolish choices in your time here on earth? Come on. All right. Cedar Rapids, raise your hand. How many times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've made really foolish and bad choices, painful choices, which we have to suffer for. We get that. Okay? Three's a little bit harder. We suffer because of the decisions of others. And sadly, many have had to suffer greatly at the hands of someone else. For sometimes, it's just a mystery. We will not know this side of heaven why. I know some of you linear thinkers, you're thinking A needs to go to connect to B, B needs to connect to C, and if I don't understand, I'm throwing it out. It has to make sense, I get that. But that's not how God works. He works in mysterious ways and we may not ever know why. And fifth, and this is the one I think I want to really harp on today is because we need to grow. Deep growth can happen in the classroom of suffering. And our faith becomes more real and more genuine when we go through suffering. Okay, so what do we do with all this suffering? You ready for some hope? You ready for the answer to all of your questions? When I just said you can't have those? Okay, it's found in these four one-syllable words. Ready? Trust. Say it with me. In the Lord, one more time, trust in the Lord. The scripture says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. This verse you have probably memorized. You probably have it on a t-shirt just like this. You probably have it on a coffee mug or a wall art or something like that. How many have something written, this verse written? Come on, show of hands, Cedar Rapids. Thank you, thank you. How many of us, how many of us believe those commands? To trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. This word trust right here, this word trust is batak. Say batak. Okay, batak, sounds like a Klingon word, actually, means to cling. It's not Klingon, just so you know. Batak means to cling. Cling to the Lord with all of your heart. This word acknowledge right here is tada or yada, I'm sorry, not tada, yada, meaning to know, okay? This word sounds very familiar to you probably because a few months ago or a couple months ago, Pastor Josh did a a message on the Severn Hebrew words. This is one of those words, yada. It literally means hands to God. So if this has this connotation that we are completely surrendered Completely surrendered. Think about a young child running up to their parents, hands open wide, and the parent picking them up and grabbing them to know yada. Please don't miss this. In both instances, whether this is trust or batak, acknowledge or to know yada, you have to be in close proximity. In order for you to fully embrace someone, your hands have to be free. You can't be holding on to this in order to embrace here. You have to let go. You have to let go of what you've been carrying. You have to let go of what you've been clinging to so that you can cling, so that you can trust, so that you can know God. Yet, we struggle in trusting God, don't we? we struggle in trusting him and here's just a couple of reasons i want to give you why why we struggle to trust one because we've become too self-sufficient you are smart you are capable you are brilliant you are gifted and talented and yet we've learned to get ourselves out of the mess avoiding some of the suffering was either, hear this, directed or permitted by God. I want to sit here for just a minute. Because we're trying to fix it in our own strength, we have derailed what God intended because we have taken on this role of protection ourselves to getting ourselves, uh, uh, preventing ourselves from suffering and not to acknowledge pain and When there's something that God intended, God had directed, God permitted, we derail those plans. Well, if we can't do it on our own, then secondly, we call on somebody else. We are very quick to call on others to help. I know the last few years have felt disconnected when we've been in isolation, and now we're just kind of getting back into life groups, we're getting back into relationship And so the first thing we want to do, if we can't figure it out, we call on somebody else. Let me, hear me out. That is okay, that we call on others for help. We can't do this alone. You have heard me preach that a million times. The problem is, is we, we call on them first rather than God. God first. We call on him first before we call on others. But it's still hard to trust because we've been hurt We've hurt those closest to us. Those who are supposed to protect us. Those who are supposed to have our backs failed us. And then you hear me saying, but you got to trust in the Lord. He allowed something to happen. He allowed things in my life. I can't do that. You're asking me to trust something that someone I can't see. You're, you're asking me to put away and forget all about that hurt. I don't understand. But we can't forget about the second part. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Ah, we've got to get this. We cannot lean on our own knowledge. There has to be a faith step. And in order for us to cling to him, we have to trust him. Not lean on what we can figure out. My grandpa always used to do this with his finger. And like you could hear it. He'd hit his head so hard. He'd say he'd call himself dummy, which we can't use that word anymore, right? And I'm saying, but he'd be like, "I'm hard-headed. I'm hard-headed. I got to get out of my head and trust in the Lord because our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts." Psalms 20 says this, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Today's vernacular, some trust in your jobs. Some will trust in your bank accounts or some will trust in your spouse. Some will trust in your gifts and your talents, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You'll trust your studies but we have to trust, put our trust in the name of the Lord. It turns out that when we trust him, great things happen. Remember William Tyndale? I mean, though he suffered greatly, I mean, obviously he was was a martyr for his faith, but he gave us the English version of the Bible. He gave us the New Testament for millions to read, for millions to know God. It was because he trusted God's plan that we were able to have the English version. And to this day, scholars look and when nine out of 10 will look back and say, he got it right where other ones have got it wrong. What about Moses who trusted in the Lord and has become one of the most important Jewish prophets and he's also brought Israel out of captivity and is credited for writing the Torah. So what about Job who trusted the Lord? He saw his health and family and his wealth restored. Joseph trusted the Lord and moved the Hebrew nation, causing them to prosper and grow to become one of the greatest nations. Esther trusted the Lord by risking her life to save the Jewish people from extermination. David trusted in the Lord and was ultimately delivered from Saul's advances. He became one of the greatest kings, and we know him as a man after God's own heart. And Paul, Paul trusted in the Lord and became one of the most important authors of the New Testament. But what about Stan Stewart, the missionary to Turkey? How did he trust in the Lord? Well, let's hear from him.
2: Over the last number of years, God has showed up in miraculous ways here in Turkey, miraculous ways in healing people. We've uh, had a miraculous healing of a woman who had cancer, terminal cancer, that God healed her. We had a man who was blind receive his sight back when we prayed in the name of Jesus. We had a woman who had a bone disease for 20 years that uh, was healed miraculously, instantaneously, when we prayed for her in the name of Jesus. And yet it did nothing that we could see to move Turks towards Christ. There were no new questions. There were there were no proclamations that Christ was Lord. Nobody came to us and said, tell us more about this Jesus. It was as, as if it never happened. But when the news of my cancer hit the community, we have seen Turks grieve like we've never seen them grieve before as they Think about the fact that I'm going to die. And now we see the value of this cancer. We see the value of this talent that God has given us to be able to live out loud how to die as a Christian, how to die with hope and how to die with, with trust and confidence that we're going to spend eternity with Jesus when they have no hope and they have no confidence. And they look at us and they can't even begin to talk about burial or or the end days for me because they're so scared of dying and so we have this opportunity i feel like we have this one shot here to do this right to die with a godly courage and with godly peace in front of these people and show them that there is another way of living there's another way of dying
0: I've watched these clips that come from a documentary called Dying Out Loud 20 plus times and um, obviously these are just two minute clips so I would encourage you to check those out but nine years ago Stan passed, lost his life, lost his battle to cancer and you saw those beads that he had in his hand, those beads came from the leader at the mosque and Stan was one of the only people, and I don't even know if, it's, if he was the only one, but he was invited to come to the mosque to pray to his Jesus. And because he was praying to Jesus, and they couldn't say his name very well, they ended up giving him the nickname of Isa, which is Jesus in Arabic. I don't know about you, but he gave hope. He gave hope to the Turks in his death. He, what an outlook, what a peace. And, and I wrote down here that sometimes our suffering is a thing that is used to speak the loudest. His wife, Anne and his kids had just had so much peace. And yet it was the fear of those who were dying and didn't know where they were going to go and the hopelessness that they had that spoke the loudest to them. We must trust in the Lord. Jesus, who was completely blameless and innocent, gave up his own life for us. He died and was buried. He rose from the grave and he became the ultimate sacrifice. He took all of our pain and our suffering on Himself. And because of that, there is no other religion in the world that can say that He died for me. And now we can trust Him with our pain and our suffering. You know, we sang these words a few moments ago in the song son of suffering and I just I want to repeat them because I want them to settle in your heart I want you to I I want you to process these words for your own life because some of you are suffering in silence and that is not okay blood and tears how can it be there's a God who weeps there's a God who bleeds oh praise the one who would reach for me hallelujah to the son of suffering Get this bridge. Listen to the, the words of this bridge. Your cross, my freedom, your stripes are my healing. All praise, King Jesus. Your blood still speaking, your love is still reaching. All praise, King Jesus. Glory to God forever. He is not done. We will continue to suffer. But through it all, He can carry that burden for us. And I believe with a shadow of a doubt that we will grow out of this and we are not alone in that suffering. And finally, I wanna read the words again from Isaiah to this is gonna drive it home because we're talking about Jesus here and we can't skip on that surely he took our pain and bore our suffering yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions it wasn't his, it was ours he was crushed for our iniquities not his, ours the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed You may not get healed physically, but I guarantee you, you can heal spiritually and emotionally. I do not know why. God chooses to do some for others, but I do know this, that no matter how long we suffer, no matter how long we have to walk through that trial, he is with us and you're not alone. Will you stand with us? I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing this song and I want you to ponder on these words. Cedar Rapids, ponder on these words. Let them get into your heart and get into your soul and and ask the question, what is it that I'm not allowing allowing, uh, or the area of my life that I'm not trusting God in? Because I guarantee you there'll be something that comes to our mind. Please don't leave this place allowing Jesus into your suffering. We have prayer teams on the left and right. Cedar Rapids, you have prayer teams there. If you're watching online, there's a link that says need prayer. Click on that and it'll get to us. Don't leave here carrying this alone. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your freedom, (laughs) your freedom, your grace, your mercy. God, you see us. You see right where we're at. You see the suffering, but God, we can trust you through it all. Trust in the Lord. God, we love you. And I know you see us. You see every person in this room. You see every person watching and and listening to this via podcast. God, you know where we're at. And God, I trust you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. We trust you in Jesus' name. Let's sing.
3: God So. Oh.